I don't use TikTok. Um, I don't like the idea of it at all. My concern with TikTok is that it really narrows people's attention span. It seems to feed this culture of instant celebrity. Uh, that's in addition to my concerns about it being Chinese spyware. So I'm all for a ban. Those were listeners Stephen in Minneapolis and Steve in Humble Park, sharing concerns I think a lot of us have about the social media platform we'd love to hate. TikTok is under scrutiny again for its relationship with the Chinese government. It's a subsidiary of the Chinese company ByteDance. Some legislators have joined forces drafting a bill that would ban the app if passed. It's called the Anti-Social Chinese Communist Party Act. I'm Nyla Boodoo, in for Jen White, and you're listening to the 1A podcast where we get to the heart of the story. We get into the bill and more after the break. Stay with us. All right, let's talk TikTok. Joining us now is Democratic Representative Raja Krishnamurthy. He's the representative for Illinois' 8th District and one of the co-sponsors of the bill that would ban the app. Welcome, Congressman. Hey, Nala. Thank you for having me. We also invited TikTok to take part in today's discussion, but they were unable to provide a spokesperson for the show. Representative Florida Senator Marco Rubio and your colleague, Wisconsin Representative Mike Gallagher, also co-sponsors on this bill. You're the first Democrat to join them. What made you decide to do that? Uh, My biggest concerns are about um, how ByteDance and TikTok operate. Uh, Essentially, the user data and algorithms uh, that are utilized by ByteDance and TikTok are ultimately controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. And the reason is simple. Um, There are two laws, two Chinese laws that govern the operation of ByteDance, which is a Chinese company. The first is that ByteDance must provide the CCP with access to its user data and can't disclose when it does so. And then secondly, uh, there's a uh, another law that requires that the Chinese Communist Party be embedded within private companies, including ByteDance. And it turns out that the editor-in-chief of ByteDance is also the secretary of the Chinese Communist Party cell that's embedded in the company and has said that its products must adhere to, quote-unquote, correct political direction. So when you put those two things together, um, it's clear that, uh, you know, TikTok's operation in the U.S., when it's ultimately controlled by the CCP, is very problematic. And when they say correct political direction, direction. Have you asked for, have you had conversations about what that means? Uh, We haven't spoken directly to the company about this, but what we know is that they have censored uh, videos that uh, criticize their abuse of Uyghurs uh, in China, uh, that have uh, featured dissent within China and so forth. Um, And we know that uh, uh, even recently, It turns out that there are different tools that ByteDance and TikTok use to promote videos that have nothing to do with uh, whether people want to see them or not. And so uh, that's why we're we're, uh, concerned, to say the least. So this bill is supposed to, quote, ban TikTok. What exactly would banning the app entail? Well, actually, what it does is it would require that uh, TikTok's U.S. operations uh, be you know controlled not by the Chinese Communist Party but by others. So in other words, that they uh, ByteDance would have to divest or sell off its U.S. operations for TikTok to continue to operate here. 
TikTok is currently negotiating a deal with the Committee on Foreign Investments so that it can remain in the U.S. And we got this statement from TikTok. We have been working with CFIUS for over two years on a plan to address national security concerns about TikTok in the U.S. That comprehensive plan addresses key issues of corporate governance, content recommendation and moderation, data security and system access. And the statement continues, this is a comprehensive package of measures with layers of government and independent oversight to ensure there are no backdoors into TikTok that could be used to manipulate the platform. These measures go beyond what any peer company is doing today on security. Congressman, why do you think, I just want you to respond to that statement and ask why you think this deal might be insufficient. Sure. Um, so I haven't seen the details of their specific proposals with uh the Committee on Foreign Investment, U.S., also known as CFIUS. But what we know about their published, the published details of these proposals is, uh, first, um, nowhere are they saying that ByteDance would not have to comply with those Chinese laws that I cited at the top of your show that are deeply problematic in terms of access to user data or control of the algorithms that uh, determine what videos uh, Americans would see. And then the second thing, and this is really, um, uh, you know, kind of, it, 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 it basically betrays um, a weakness with their uh, operations currently that they're trying to structure here. They supposedly have implemented a lot of these uh, new uh, structures to safeguard uh, American user data and algorithms. But then recently in December, as late as December, we found out that ByteDance actually used um, TikTok user data to spy on journalists in America, U.S. citizens. So it goes just completely 180 degrees from what they said that they would be doing and that their structures would supposedly protect that they've set up here in the U.S. We mentioned you would be on the show, Representative Krishnamurthy, last week, and we got some questions from our listeners. So let's go to our inbox and hear some of that. Hi, this is Zach from Ann Arbor. Whenever I hear this come up, it just makes me think about when other countries ban U.S.-based platforms such as like Facebook or Instagram. How is this different? Because it doesn't really feel different to me. Well, I think Zach brings up a good point. In, in the People's Republic of China, the Chinese Communist Party has actually banned access to uh, different websites uh, that you know American companies operate. Um, and similarly here, we are basically asking them to adhere to our rules. Um, it's kind of, it's our house and our rules. We are not going to allow the Chinese Communist Party to take advantage of the openness of our laws and our society to, um, uh, to use the data of our, uh, you know, citizenry against them. And that's kind of fundamentally what's at issue here. Let's go back to our inbox. We got this question from Jackson. I'd like to know if banning TikTok isn't plainly a violation of freedom of speech, not only theirs, but my freedom of expression. Can't I put what apps I wish, as long as I'm not aiding criminal activity or something, on my phone? Well, I think that it's not necessarily um, banning your ability to express yourself um, as much as putting conditions on the operation of uh, this particular entity in the U.S. so you can express yourself in a safe way. So uh, what we're saying here 
and I, I feel very strongly about this, is that um, uh, an adversarial regime that ultimately controls the app, um, you know, basically will have access to user data that would be against our adverse interests. However, if they divest that uh, and another entity controls that user data, um, you, you know, they're, they're, the national security interests and other problems would not exist. And so I think um, just like with everything, uh, being able to operate here comes with certain uh, conditions. And I think this is what our legislation tries to put in place. Uh, again, I want to note to our listeners that we did invite TikTok to take part in today's conversation. They declined to provide a spokesperson. Their spokesperson did just tweet something that I wanted to read and representative have you respond to. They said that the CCP has neither direct nor indirect control of ByteDance or TikTok and that ByteDance is a private global company, nearly 60 percent of which is owned by global investors. What's your response to that? Well, I think that the question is, are they subject? Is ByteDance subject, like all other Chinese companies, to the 2017 National Intelligence Law, which requires that ByteDance provide the CCP with access to its user data, and it's prohibited from disclosing when it actually shares this user data with the CCP. The same with the 1993 law. Is there a CCP cell embedded within ByteDance? The answer is absolutely yes. And so uh, I don't understand the tweet in light of these laws. A lot of people do think of TikTok as an app for young people, and several states have banned the app from government devices already. The federal government banned them from government devices last month. Do you still consider TikTok a threat to U.S. national security if it's already been banned from gov- from most government devices? Yeah, because government devices are such a small fraction of all the devices out there that are used to conduct business in the U.S., um, as you know, uh, uh, most people conduct their private business on their private devices. And so um, most of their uh, important information, whether it's passwords, contacts, messages, um, location data, payment information is stored on their private devices, not on their government devices necessarily. And so that's why we would be concerned about making sure that um, all devices would be uh, safe um, you know, in this type of situation. Now, how do you handle that with, for example, your family and what's on your kids' devices? Well, uh, you know, I think that um, <laughs> they're not necessarily allowed to purchase items from their uh, from their devices. Um, now, it's interesting. There's kind of an evolution in thinking even among, uh, I think, kids uh, of my uh, uh, my children's age, like, uh, they do see some of these TikTok videos. Now they see them on YouTube um, and as opposed to going to the native app and, and viewing them. Um, but all that being said, uh, you know, it is a concern uh, for all those who continue to use TikTok directly on the TikTok, sorry, directly on their phones. You know, former President Trump tried to ban TikTok via an executive order in 2020. It faced multiple legal challenges, never went into effect, was eventually rescinded by President Biden. What's different about what you're trying to do? Well, I think what we're trying to do is uh, uh, change the laws so that, um, you know, if uh, going forward on a going forward basis, uh, these companies that are ultimately controlled by adversarial regimes want to operate here they'd have to abide by the terms of this law. 
Um, I don't think you can just uh, ban it through an executive order. There has to be legislation uh, that sets out the conditions for the operation of these entities. So I think that's the fundamental difference. That was Democratic Representative Raja Krishnamurthy. He represents the 8th District of Illinois. Representative Krishnamurthy, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. Hey, thanks, Nyla. We'll add some new voices to the conversation right after a short break. Let's get back to TikTok and bring in some other guests. Joining us now is Bethany Allen Ibrahimian. She's the China reporter at Axios. Hi, Bethany. Hi, Nyla. And McKenna Kelly is a policy reporter at The Verge. Hi, McKenna. Hi, pleasure to be here. Sarah Morrison is also with us. She's a senior data privacy reporter at Vox. Hi, Sarah. Uh, Hello. The FBI is also concerned about TikTok. And I wanted to play a clip of FBI Director Christopher Wray speaking about this at the University of Michigan. All of these things are in the hands of of a government that doesn't share our values uh, and that uh, has a mission that's very much at odds with with what's in the best interest of the United States. Bethany, how plausible is it that the Chinese government could easily access information that ByteDance has access to? Uh, it's not just plausible, it's mandatory under Chinese law. Um, so as Representative uh, Krishnamurthy uh, you know, said uh, just now, there, there are several laws on the books, and one in particular that requires all entities and individuals in China to assist in national security investigations and to hand over data upon request by Chinese authorities and requires them to keep that assistance a secret. Now, a a huge difference between an authoritarian system like China and the U.S. system is that in China, there is no legal recourse for companies to push back against the government. So in the U.S., we've seen big legal fights between companies in Silicon Valley and the U.S. government when they don't want to hand over data. They can sue, they can appeal, whatever. In China, they can't do that. Um, So the the risk here for data that ByteDance has access to is very high. And and very quickly, I'll I'll add that even if, uh, you know, ByteDance itself as a company or TikTok as a company were to say, we will not hand over that data, they cannot be certain that employees of theirs that are in China would not be co-opted by Chinese uh, intelligence services or security services to secretly get that data. In fact, that's exactly what happened with Zoom in 2020. Uh, There was a Zoom employee that did just that without the knowledge of uh, Zoom's higher leadership. McKenna, can you explain, um, we started talking about this before the break, that in the last two years, TikTok has been working with, it's the Committee on Foreign Investments to find a way to keep doing business in the U.S. What is TikTok proposing in these negotiations? Right. So over the past couple of years, I think the CFIUS investigation was first kind of called on by Marco Rubio under the Trump administration. And throughout this process, there's been negotiations. And I think just a couple months ago, there was some reporting that they had reached a draft agreement. And in this draft agreement, it essentially says that TikTok has to give um, a lot more oversight over U.S. user data to the U.S. and U.S. officials. Uh, This is also housing data in separate um, data centers that aren't really in control of ByteDance as much as like their Singapore and Virginia data centers. So it's moving a lot of that data and that information in a way that is more under the control of the U.S. government rather than Chinese officials. 
And what's the status of that right now, those negotiations or this deal? That's a great question. So what we've heard recently is that they're nearing a possible end. But again, this has been going on for years and years and years, these discussions from the Trump administration threatening to ban it to um, the DOJ launching its own negotiative process, the states enacting all these things. It really is kind of a race to the finish. Um, CFIUS seems like the first to maybe cross the finish line. But right now, especially like Sarah mentioned here, uh, after the <laughs> the uh, information about the journalists tracking, it seems like things have slowed down a bit. You know, Sarah, I was going to ask how that incident um, effect- affected these negotiations. I mean, I, I couldn't say for sure. That's a very it's a secretive process, um, an agency. But, you know, you, you saw a lot of pushback from, you know, the people who can talk about it. Um, you know, like I said, basically saying, see, like, see what they do like they. They are spying, um, even though they keep telling us that they aren't. Um, it, even if it was, uh, you know, a handful of employees who no longer work there, whatever, like people who aren't, who didn't trust ByteDance, who didn't trust TikTok in the first place, uh, still don't. And people who maybe were more willing to trust them, you know, may have more reservations now. So, um, and then just politically, it doesn't, it's not going to look as good to make that agreement after this kind of thing comes out. Bethany, to your knowledge, how do you think what I just want to kind of square what you were saying at the beginning about the way companies operate in China with this deal that's being created? Uh, Do you do you have a sense that there would be actually independence if this deal were to come through? I don't. Well, it, it depends on what the terms of the deal are. What we would really need to to feel a sense of security would be a very, very strong firewall between U.S. operations and data and any employees based in China. And the reason for that is to go back to the Zoom example that we know a lot about because of the Department of Justice indictment in December 2020. Even though Zoom is a U.S. company with U.S. headquarters, they had employees in China, and there was an employee in China who uh, emailed his uh, counterparts in the U.S., even though he wasn't supposed to have access to that data and asked them to send over data. That's just an example of how data can kind of cross in between the company when there isn't a very, very harsh and strong firewall. So that's what we'd want to see, in addition to total um, editorial independence, you know, total management independence from any entity that's located in China. And again, the reason for that is because any entity or person who is physically in China is going to be subject to Chinese law, which would require handing over data or otherwise assisting Chinese government requests. Let's go back to our inbox. Hello, this is Jasper from Marlboro. While I do feel that the concerns around TikTok are warranted, I do have a couple of concerns in regards to focusing on TikTok only, which makes me question if this is politically motivated. That's a sentiment we heard from a lot of you. I've started using TikTok some. I think Facebook is the thing that's that's the real threat. And uh, they seem to, you know, have the country in their grip. Nobody's talking about that. Everything's about TikTok just because it's, uh, you know, has something to do with China. And I think that's ridiculous. 
We also just got this email from Elizabeth that says, quote, it really feels like they only want to ban it because young people have used it to mobilize and embarrass elected officials time and time again. There are so many different apps that steal your data, have toxic fan bases and manipulate people with algorithms. But it seems convenient. They go after the one that has shown use in political mobilization for Gen Z and younger millennials. Uh, McKenna, Sarah, I just want you to react to some of that um, listener feedback that we got. And first of all, just the idea that this is is politically motivated. McKenna, can you speak to that first? I think it's not only politically motivated, but politically convenient. Um, We are moving into a new Congress now with a Republican uh, majority in the House, right? Uh, We're moving into a period where they really want to hit Biden where it hurts. They want to make him look soft on China. And for these people who are constantly talking about, you know, the threats of tech, um, the Jim Jordans, the Josh Hawley's, you know, those Republicans, those are the kind of folks who are going to push this, right? And it's very, very convenient because I think in this Congress, some kind of regulation around TikTok and um, Chinese apps and hardware is maybe where we're going to see the most agreement um, between Republicans and Democrats. Now, it might not be like a full-scale ban, um, but it might, you know, just get them somewhere. Whereas, you know, over the past couple of years, when we get to Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all these apps, we've gotten so far um, when it comes to antitrust legislation, data privacy legislation, all these things that suddenly just evaporate (laughs) towards the end of the process. Things go away. Like last year um, in the omnibus, I really like to highlight this because in the omnibus, there was many options to get antitrust regulation on the books to put some more you know, to rein in Facebook, to rein in Google, all these companies, it was very, very close. Um, But you see Jim Jordan, the person who is now running a very, you know, prominent uh, committee, the Judiciary Committee, who basically shut down a lot of those negotiations. And in the omnibus, they only got the smallest, most bipartisan measure, right, of antitrust included in that, which was a I guess now Facebook and all these companies only have to pay a little bit more merger filing fees um, rather than like a big uh, reform over antitrust law. So I think it's politically convenient. And then I also I love the point that the listener made about uh, TikTok being used by Gen Z. I think that is also extremely important in the way that we saw a lot of negotiations over banning it over um, restricting it in the U.S. kind of fizzle out towards the end of last year. We have to remember, last year was a midterm cycle. And if you look at a lot of the data, I believe there was a Tufts study last year that said Gen Z in a majority of battleground states around the country, Pennsylvania, Arizona, folks that states like that, they would be allotted the deciding factor in the outcome of those elections. Well, where are they? They're on TikTok. All of these candidates have TikTok accounts. Uh, You want to wait until the midterms are over, where it's politically convenient for you (laughs) to use the app, right, to reach these people and to get them out to vote um, before you end up getting rid of it or, you know, restricting it in some way that looks really bad for these necessary voters. Sarah, to that point, do we have a sense that there, because this has bipartisan support, it does have a chance of being of legislation actually happening here? I mean, it probably depends what that legislation is. Like, obviously, legislation that's banned it from, you know, government devices has already happened. Um, I, th- I think, uh, you know, there are bipartisan bills, the antitrust bills that McKenna was, was sort of alluding to. Um, they were bipartisan, too. So um, I... <sighs> When it comes to, you know, laws actually being passed <laughs> at this point, even bipartisan ones, even ones that have support in both houses, I, I, 
I, I think I've learned not to be super confident <laughs> in, uh, in, in the chances that they'll pass. We're getting a bunch of emails from listeners just asking about privacy. Um, the first one said, why is TikTok stealing data any worse than Amazon or any other American company? I don't really care if the Chinese know how many cat videos I'm looking at. We also got this email from Reed. It should be clear by now that Internet security is a myth. We cannot keep sensitive data from the Chinese or anyone else once it hits the web. The hackers and spies are always a step ahead. If you don't want it known, don't post it anywhere. McKenna, do you think that users in general have been sort of functioning with this idea and people have just sort of given up with this notion of privacy? I am always so disheartened <laughs> when this is brought up because engagement with social platforms is such a necessity in daily life. Uh, I really do not like putting the obligation and the onus on the user to protect, you know, their geolocation tracking data, um, things like this. I think of folks like my mother, right, who still texts with her phone a foot in front of her face, who doesn't understand, you know, how to log into her email half the time, but she has to email um, folks at her bank or whatever, right, to get things done. So this is, I, I do think that the government does owe people a service in this respect for some clear privacy guidelines. Um, and I guess between Chinese companies and American companies, all companies <laughs> are bad. And right now, data is extremely profitable. And so you harness it, you grab it, and you sell it out. And um, until there are some kind of you know regulatory restrictions, whether that is for Chinese companies or American companies, I don't see that changing. Sarah, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Um, as, uh, you know, as skeptical as I am that a law, you know, specifically addressing TikTok would, would make it, um, I'm even, you know, less, uh, confident that one that addressed everybody in terms of privacy would, would make it because for years there hasn't been one. Um, and, you know, there are huge companies in America, American-based companies that don't want a strong privacy law to happen that I think would very much prefer, you know, a different company, a non-American company, uh, to to get a, a lot more heat in terms of uh, people's data and privacy, which is exactly what's happening. McKenna, what do I wonder if we can just talk about the idea of regulating companies like Meta and Alphabet, which are the parent companies of Facebook and Google? What does that look like in this Congress coming up this year, and how does it compare to efforts to ban TikTok? Right. So, get when we get into this Congress, my main thought, right, was how will we operate now with a divided Senate, um, with a divided Congress, right, with, with the Democrats leading the Senate and the uh, Republicans leading the House. If you look at the way that Republican tech investigation is leading right now in the House, if you look at the rules package that was released by Kevin McCarthy earlier this year and voted and approved, there's this new committee, right, on the weaponization of the federal government. And that's where I think a lot of the focus on tech is going to be. It's going to be more of a focus on the Twitter files. It's going to be more of a focus focus on Elon Musk running Twitter and the things that he's found. And I, I really do fear that as we're leading up into a presidential election cycle, 2024, that that committee and the focus and the expertise on tech may end up staying there, right? Um, and getting most of the headlines and most of the uh, attention instead of pursuing, you know, some real regulatory regime for whether it's, you know, Chinese companies or American companies as well. Bethany, I wanted to go back to um, the statement from the listener and ask you to react to the listener who says, I don't care if the Chinese know how many cat videos I'm looking at. What, what's your response to that? Well, I think it's really important to keep in mind that there's a big difference between 
between Facebook or YouTube, these American companies and and companies that are in China. And and that is that it's helpful to think of it as that as though what if the Russian government owned Facebook? You know, there is a huge difference when uh, in addition to all the well-known issues with data collection and privacy, uh, when when there is a, a foreign authoritarian government that is absolutely dedicated to using every uh, lever of power and influence at its disposal to push authoritarian values and structures worldwide. And the problem with TikTok that Facebook does not have, that YouTube does not have, that Twitter does not have, is that it is a potential channel for uh, for influence coming from China, not just for China to vacuum in data. So, you know, it can be a platform potentially for some kind of information operations or influence operations where certain kinds of, of videos are suppressed, certain kinds might be amplified at certain key moments that could maybe not even be related to China, that could do something like what Russia did in 2016, where it's trying to amplify divisions in the U.S. during a sensitive election or, you know, um, foment, um, you know, worsen racial divisions or create chaos in our society in that way. I mean, imagine if in 2016 the Russian government had owned Facebook. <laughs> that would have been a completely different and far more dangerous scenario. So that's, you know, the attention on TikTok uh, is, is because of a problem like that. We just have a few minutes left. Uh, Sarah McKenna, I just want to ask you what you're watching for next here as um, this new Congress unfolds. Sarah? I mean, basically, I'm, I'm waiting to see what the CFIUS deal, if it happens or not, um, how long it takes uh, for it to happen. I think that is that is we were, where we're most likely to see uh, an agreement be reached that 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 they'll work with. But um, I mean, I'm assuming that we'll see uh, some, you know, especially in the House, some hearings, executives being called uh, to to get yelled at um, and try to explain themselves. Um, and, you know, we have that bill. There's that bipartisan bill that uh, the representative was was on earlier today to talk about. So, you know, we'll see where that goes, too. McKenna, how much more are you expecting uh, executives being hauled before Congress to be yelled at? But what are we expecting in terms of actual legislation? Right. I guess getting um, executives hauled before Congress, my um, my perspective, what I saw over the last couple of, couple of years was we had panels of YouTube CEO, Twitter CEO at the time, uh, Jack Dorsey, hauled be- before Congress. And then the TikTok representative would be on a second panel, right, with Snapchat and some lesser um, – popular social media platforms when TikTok really had one of the largest user bases. It wasn't until I think a hearing last year that they actually took in TikTok's US CEO um, and put them right next to Facebook, which to me, I, I know it's small, it's a small detail, but putting them side by side actually to me symbolized that they're actually going to start getting the kind of attention um, that they really do require this Congress. When it comes to actual legislation, I think this is going to take some time. I mean, even this morning, you had... Um, uh, the representative on to discuss his bill. Well, when I before I got on, I saw that Josh Hawley was putting out a bill to ban TikTok entirely in the U.S. Now, whether or not that's constitutional or it works, that's a question for someone um, above my pay grade, right, to figure out. Um, but there's still a lot of discussions taking place. And so 
I think the most clear answer answer would probably be the CFIUS deal. Um, it's probably going to be the fastest. And again, we got to remember that there's the debt ceiling crisis happening this summer, <laughs> which could probably delay a lot of tech regulation for another couple of years and months. McKenna Kelly is a policy reporter at The Verge. Sarah Morrison is a senior reporter at Vox. Bethany Allen Ibrahimian is a reporter on China at Axios. Let's end with some tweets from you all. When people from both parties agree on something, we should take it seriously. And Tim tweeted, I agree with other listeners and your guests. This 40-year-old IT professional creator and political activist has seen it all. The best regulatory approach needs to address all social media collectively, then and only then focus on the political aspects of their use. Remember, we have a text club. It's the fastest way to connect with us. You can find out how to sign up under the Talk to 1A tab at the1a.org. Today's producer was Jorgelina Manarea. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Nyla Budu of Axios. Let's talk more soon. This is 1A.